So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. for listening. I've been Chikares. Goodbye. What? I don't understand. It's a reverse grid joke. Uh... Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the now inevitable Ferrari fuck-up of F1 podcasts. To be fair, we are not doing well. But everyone expects it now. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the Valtteri Bottas on a good day of F1 podcasts. What, you mean somehow managing to win a race but still being invisible? Just boring. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the podcast that finished before this joke was read. Yeah, so we're going to have to take that joke away. I'm G. Graz, and today from the parcel yard in King's Cross, we're going to talk about the Japanese Grand Prix, where Valtteri Bottas won the championship. Not the driver's championship, obviously, but his victory at Suzuka meant Mercedes will definitely win both teams and driver's titles, and Ferrari threw it all away again. We'll talk about Vettel's start, the clerk's tangles, typhoons, and all sorts of other bollocks before throwing hastily compiled facts at each other, and then Terry will solve all of F1's problems, just like he always does. That's all to come. Joining me via the magic of the internet is a man who's on the move. It is Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone. Yes, I am uh, I'm a man who's been gadding about of late. Not only have I finally, for, for long-term listeners, I finally moved house. Had no hot water for a week. Apart from that's good. And now I'm on holiday. So that's nice. Where are you on holiday? I am I'm calling you live from the Portuguese island of Madeira. We arrived at the hotel got given free Madeira wine, went for a meal, got free Madeira wine before the meal. At the end of the meal, they bought more free Madeira wine. So, yeah, I've been basically pissed since I got here. Kind of makes it sound like the Madeira wine's not all that and it's not selling very well. It is about to go off. And alongside me is a man who has a Sainsbury's delivery coming. I've literally got nothing else I can think is that of. It? That's really all I've done this week. I haven't seen you for a fortnight. Last night, I ordered a Sainsbury's delivery and I had it set for like 8am this morning. Then I realised I had to go into work, so I had to change the delivery, but it meant cancelling delivery and setting up a whole new one and trying to remember what I'd ordered. So Chica, have you done anything of note in the last couple of weeks? Anything out of the ordinary? Anything mm, that might make you feel like a better person or oh, maybe good for charity? Anything? think of anything at all. Oh, okay, moving actually, on. yes, actually, before you move on, Sunday, I ran half a marathon. What did you do the other half? I just fannied around, just sat yeah, around. Lazy. Rolled around for half a mar- Yes. Where was this marathon? Uh, the Royal Parks, Green Park, Hyde Park. You see, it's got the Piccadilly line. <laughs> <laughs> so I turned up late. 
got there and there were portaloos that were absolutely like the queues were longer than festival toilets so I was in the queue for ages and I thought I was going to wet myself and so I was like jumping up and down so much that a man actually let me go in front of him and I missed the start everyone started because I was still in the portaloo queue um, <laughs> and so by the time I'd started most people have already gone which meant I was at the back with the slow people, which I was quite happy with, because it meant I overtook people and then felt really good about myself. I set off and it turned out that Tom the Stallion wasn't going to run with me, and he set off with me and he said, I might, genuinely, he said, I might meet you at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need for a supporting stallion. Thank you, mate. It sounds like you started from the pit lane and then had an argument with your teammate. Let's charge down towards Listener's Corner. Watch out for understeer. Oops, sorry, Max. Obviously a racing incident. We'll start by hearing all of your reactions to goings-on at Suzuka, beginning with the first corner shenanigans that saw Charles Leclerc batter into Max Verstappen, leading to damage that ultimately ended his race. Max was, probably fairly, rather annoyed at this, but you lot had little sympathy for him. Kevin Barry said, Max obviously has no idea of the definition of the word irony getting back some of his own and listen to him squeal. And Rich Johnson said, Leclerc, the new Grosjean. That's a bit unfair on Grosjean. Oh. <laughs> see what I did there. <laughs> so yeah, it was quite funny to see Max Verstappen being annoyed at someone driving like Max Verstappen. That's what he's like. But you know, now he's an elder statesman of the sport because <laughs> uh, he's like 16 now. And Leclerc, who's still in Huggies Nuffies. pull-ups. No, hug his pull-ups. He's not in nappies. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. He's not Stroll, who is far older. Just He's too rich to bother pissing. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it was it was a silly mistake that Leclerc made, but it was quite funny to see him take out Verstappen. Leclerc and Verstappen are the new Senna Prost. Oh, I mean, they will I, be. I, it wouldn't surprise me if in, in the years to come that turns out to be the case. I mean, they appear to be the uh, the up-and-coming talent, so you'd, you you could put reasonable money on the uh, on the forthcoming decade that they'll be the two big dogs that you need to be. Um, and it's good to see them getting the blows in early. Except that Max Verstappen is a lion, not a dog. A lion, did you say? Yes, unleash the lion. Explain. That's, that's what he says, unleash the lion. Is he? Did he say that? He says it all the bloody time. Follow him on Instagram. That- He's like, oh, we're going to unleash the lion this week. Rawr. I think oh, is that like his version of, uh, of Hammer Time? Yeah, he's trying to get sponsored by Lion Bar. <laughs> Whereas Ooh, Leclerc well, is there going, oh, Toffee Crisp. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a boost. Very good. No. A fan boost. So we all know that F1 has got faster in the past year, but Ross Chaplin posted a set of lap times from each team at Suzuka, comparing 2018 to 2019. I'm sure he had a lot of things to do this weekend. And it makes for interesting reading. Ross says, yay for McLaren and Jesus Christ Williams. So, Phil, um, you've really surpassed yourself here by in the listeners' comments section, pasting a table... Do we read it all now? Is that the idea? Well, no. What I thought is we could do an executive summary for the listeners. Go for Basically, it. this is like a sort of spreadsheet of all the teams and their best lap times around Suzuka between 2018 and 2019. And then a list is done in order of the improvements that they made. And impressively, right at the top is McLaren, who 
but in one year made up 2.2 seconds around Suzuki, which is very impressive. Ferrari are just behind them. Mercedes are actually quite far down the bottom. They have improved, but only by 0.4 seconds. And depressingly, Williams are right at the bottom and have actually got slower in the past 12 months, which isn't brilliant. It's a bit embarrassing, let's be honest. I mean, honestly, nobody else has got slower. Racing Point have not improved by a lot, but they've still got nearly two tenths. Williams are uh, uh, not much slower, but a bit slower nonetheless. Uh, I mean... It's just depressing. It's like you put up a picture of, like, a cat being run over or something. I mean, how can McLaren find 2.2 seconds, Williams lose time? Well, clearly they've lose. stolen it from Williams, Phil. It's like a school bully thing. Give me your dinner money. Give, Give us your Suzuka time. Yeah. <laughs> so with Mercedes now sewing up their sixth double championship in a row, that's both drivers and teams. Ellis Piddick wants to know, surely they're done smashing the shit out of F1. Will they keep going or are they going to do, or are they going to change to Formula E? What do you three want them to do? Can they go back to Le Mans? I'd like them to do a Ferrari, a McLaren, a Red Bull, and that is, after a rule change, become shit, and in a few years be like, cool, they used to win all the time, and now they don't. Yeah? Yeah. All right, then. I mean, I think we've discussed before, I suspect they probably will, well, they are already in Formula 3. Whether they'll put all their focus on that, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. Will they go back to Le Mans? I don't know. It's, the Le Mans rules are changing. They're introducing this no, new sort of cool prototype super hypercar division. Um, and I could see them making something for that. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd particularly miss them in F1. Would you guys? I wouldn't give a shit. Are there any teams that could go that you'd give a shit about? McLaren. Racing Williams. Point. Racing Point. What's the difference? Toro Rosso. Red Bull, <laughs> Ferrari, Alfa Romeo. Are there any teams that you would miss? McLaren, Racing Point, <laughs> Toro Rosso, Williams, Red Bull, So does this, mean, does this mean you're indifferent? I just don't like Mercedes much. Right, okay. If you just dragged yourself out of bed to watch the race, so you might have noticed some snazzy new tyre wear graphics on the coverage, but Richard Stevenson has some questions. These new tyre wear graphics, how do they work then? Is there some sort of Terry-san moving video graphics bod leaning over the pit wall, deciding Lewis's right rear looks fucked? We'll put that in as 10%. Right, well... I did a little bit of looking into this. Well, um, go on. So... I believe this is all down to the AWS sponsorship, the, which is something to do with Amazon. But they use all sorts of uh, machine learning to take data from previous sessions and all the data info they've got from any time the tyres have been on the track to work out what they've done and what that probably means for how much tyre wear they've got less. Although, I'll be absolutely honest, having watched it during the race, it seemed like they were just taking wild stuff in the dark. Because at one point they said Hamilton had 10% wear left and he was obviously faster than Vettel in front of him. So, don't know. I must say, I find that comment very hurtful from um, Richard, Richard Stevenson. From Richard, I find that comment hurtful. You know, I went for a job doing motion graphics at Formula One, <laughs> and you know did by you now, didn't check get. Yeah, I double checked my spam folder today, absolutely nothing. All they've done is destroy our rightfully owned satirical logo and not given me a job in Big In Fucking Hill. So, I would have loved to have been there wildly guessing colours of tyres but instead I was on my sofa barely staying awake for a 
a boring race. That wasn't that bad a race. It was at 6am. I'm sorry. I'm too old, Phil. I just can't. Really? I can't stay awake at 6am for a race that isn't great. You should just what do you think of all these um, all these AWS graphics? Because as well as the tyre wear ones, you've got the sort of predicted chance of overtake things and all those kind of things using all this machine learning stuff. Does it actually add anything or is it just mostly like all... The predicted overtake one's kind of interesting, but also, I don't know, it's kind of a bit reductive in that if you make it all just a statistic, like they do with the data in the teams, then when when you go, oh, there's a 90% chance he's going to overtake him after the pit stop, and then he overtakes him, it's like, well, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. It's kind of taken away the sportsman talent of everything when you go, oh, yeah, yeah, we knew that was going to happen because Amazon said so. And by the way, um, be, here's your package. I'd be intrigued to know of all the all the predictions that they've put up so far since they've brought them in, how many of them have actually been accurate. Like how many times they've said, no, it's not going to happen, but it has or whatever. Somebody on Reddit will probably crunch the numbers. Yeah, yeah, someone can paste the table into our comments. In other news, did you enjoy the final lap of the Japanese Grand Prix? Well, tough, because it never happened. A computer glitch meant that a computerised checkered flag was shown one lap early at Suzuka, which, thanks to FIA rules, means that that's when the race ended. Which means that Perez scored points despite being stuck in a wall when the actual physical checkered flag came out a lap later. Which makes us wonder, what's the point in the actual flag anymore? Lucky fucking Perez. Can you imagine (laughs) binning it on the last lap of a race and somehow getting away with it. Jesus, go and buy a lottery ticket and shag your wife's best friend or something because you were getting away with anything that day. What? See, I reckon he knew it because the flags all get flashed up on the driver's steering wheels, don't they? Like blue flags and all that kind of stuff. So they all would have seen it and then probably ignored it and raised it. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. It probably flashed up as he hit the wall and went, there we go, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) And the checkered flag. It's quite funny that this actually happened because this whole rule about the computerized flag taking precedent came in after that model, Winnie Harlow, waved the flag, the actual flag, a lap early at Canada. Was it, was it this year or last year? Whenever it was. So they brought in this rule. So could Renault be in trouble? Their ECUs and steering wheels from the Japanese Grand Prix have been impounded by the FIA after a protest by Racing Point. Why? For cheating. Racing Point alleges that both Ricardo and Hulkenberg had a pre-set-up lap-distant-dependent brake bias adjustment system. Oldest trick in the book. Phil, please can you explain this? Yes, so they had a preset lap-distance-dependent brake bias adjustment system, which, as we all know, is a brake bias adjustment system that uh, can be preset depending on the lap-distance. Uh, I don't think I need to go into into any more detail than that. You know, I feel, it's uh, obviously feel quite stupid. Obviously now, shameful. To be I mean, that's, I don't know how they thought they'd get away with it. They've been cheating a lot lately. I mean, I was watching Friday practice, and I must say, as I saw Ricardo go around the corner, I did think to myself, "They look Hang like on a minute. preset lap <laughs> distance dependent brake bias adjustment systems to me." <laughs> yeah, that is what I thought, Chica. How did you know? Because I thought it too. It, it is. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody at the track, as soon as the race started, were like, "Hang on." <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure what it means, but it's not allowed. Um, I don't know. They'll probably be disqualified. But they got, done, they got done for cheating the other week. Is it they've got a shit car and they're going back to the glory Renault days of Schumacher and even Alonso and going, "Well, the only way we won in the past was by cheating." Yeah. Yeah. That's Good. right. 
So expect in the next next race, Hulkenberg to climb uh, into a wall suspiciously close to Ricardo getting the lead or something. Like and that. they'll have a mass damper in the front of the car, but because I won't remember what a mass damper was, it'll just be like a bag of flour in the nose or something. <laughs> So, are we going to go back into the future? And by that we mean, is the back of the grid the future of F1? And by that we mean, are reverse grid Saturday races going to be a thing next year? Well, the answer is maybe. And as we record this, a vote on the idea will take place tomorrow, Wednesday, which may be today or yesterday by the time you hear this. If approved by the teams, there'll be three Saturday races with grids in reverse championship order at France, Belgium and Russia next year. But for it to go ahead, support has to be unanimous and it probably won't be because hey formula one i bloody love this idea i think it's brilliant they should do it absolutely no shadow of a doubt why not <laughs> most of the races are boring we all hate the sport let's do something exciting to liven up a bit you stiffs i mean i'm 95 percent sure that this won't happen because there's no chance that all the teams will agree on it. but, uh, if but it phil does. phil if you reverse 95 percent that's five percent if this does happen, I've, I need to read up a bit more on this. Are these going to be championship races or are they just going to be like little fun things? If it's the latter, I quite like the idea of it. Uh, you know, just like basically a touring car style, you know, everybody's going for it and fish bash bosh, it's highly entertaining. And then on the Sunday, they do the proper race with proper F1 ethos that actually counts. I don't um, think they do, if, they do fun races, though, would they? No, because they'd all be there going, whatever well, it's fun, there's no point doing it. No, they're racing drivers. They want to win. No, no, but the teams. It's like when they did that um, the weird qualifying format the other year, and they just went, "Well, we're not going to bother because statistically we're going to just be wasting tyres. So let's just not bother." Well, I'm not sure. They did something similar in W Series at the end of the season, didn't they? And that, apparently, that was quite entertaining. Don't know. But no one watched it. It's one of those things where I'd quite like to see it happen, and then I'll make a decision on whether it should stay. Speaking of meetings where no one will agree on anything, that same gathering tomorrow slash today slash yesterday slash a while ago was due to finalise rule changes to 2021. So hopefully by the next podcast we'll have more of an idea of how these revolutionary ideas will completely fail to work in practice, just like they always do. Are we excited about the proposed changes? It won't happen. We'll end up with 2021 being like uh, the exact same thing as 2020, but with like penis noses or something. And yeah, there'll be some ludicrous design thing that somebody hasn't thought about. There'll be some quite nice big wheels. Uh, nobody will be able to race closely behind each other again because then it will. Meh. I bet the Red Bull will be on stilts. <laughs> they'll have forgotten <laughs> to set okay, the maximum fine. I'm back in. Yeah, they'll, they'll if that forgotten. happens, <laughs> if that happens, I'm back in. And what will happen is they'll be really slow, but at the start they'll of the race, they'll be able to drive over, <laughs> yeah. but backwards. Yeah, yeah. Because that won't be in the rules. Yeah. yeah. I think co-pilot, co-pilot should be a thing. They should have the reserve drivers in the cars with them. Or lottery winners. Tell us how long we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're For F1's Sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com. And a big thank you to Goose Dirks. Thanks for the drinks, Goose. Oh, thank you. I mean, uh, they've been posted to me and I'm enjoying them. That's where you get all that free fucking Madeira, Phil. We're here with nothing because all the podcast <laughs> oh, beer money has gone to your fucking Madeira fund. And Ben Callahan. Ben Callahan, thank you for your drink hand. Top Benning. And William Miner. Always end on a sad surname. <laughs> or he's digging for. No, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. It's a minor joke. Is that, is that a paedophile joke? No. And Mark Stokes. That's a coal mining joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those two should get together. Ugh. 
minor thank you. Well, not, not romantically, but thank you again. Well, they could get together romantically, Phil. How dare you? Well, I've nothing against it, but they, they it seems like weird Formula to get one. together romantically just because of pun names. <laughs> well, they also share a love of Formula One. And Anthony Mumford. Again, we're not going to mention it this time. I've taken the piss out of his name twice. We're not going to do it again. Thank you, Anthony. Your band's rubbish. Ah! <laughs> and Nick Sigaricus. Thank you, Nick. Thank you very much, Nick. Is, is that Your surname sounds a little bit like a TVR model. Uh, which I'm going to take as a great thing. Yep. You can join our legion of supporters and buy us a beer at www.ff1s.com forward slash pint pint pining for the field. Mercedes. So just when you thought Hamilton's life couldn't get any worse, his team not only let him down, they they don't even rise to him being a bitch on the radio. The three-time world champ German GQ top 20 man of the year came home in third, two places behind the man that knows Hamilton's rear end better than most, Bottas. Did Bottas deserve that win? Yeah. Yes. It was was one of the depressingly rare occasions where Bottas managed to get everything together, drove really well, completely dominated the weekend, absolute deserved win, well done him. Does he deserve entertainment points? No. I don't understand how Valtteri Bottas can win a race from almost start to finish and be utterly invisible. If you'd have told me he didn't win the race because he wasn't there, I'd believe you. I'd just be there going, yeah, yeah, actually, now you mention it, I don't remember seeing him at all. That isn't uncommon though in F1 because when you when you completely dominate a race, you're basically just driving around the track on your own, and it's not that exciting to look at. Which is essentially what Bottas did. He was miles ahead of everybody all the time from pretty much the first corner. Which Hamilton does quite often. We don't like him off that often. So. No, but Hamilton is always on the coverage because he's moaning on the radio. Whereas Bottas was probably polite on the radio. He did do a swear on Sky. What did please? he say, please? Because he swore last time he won a race, and uh, which word did he use? He used the F word, and then they said, "So you didn't swear on the radio this time?" And he went, "No, I was thinking it. I was thinking fuck the lot of you." I was like, "Oh, good on <laughs> I missed that. Is that true? Honestly, I mean, I may have got the words that it was definitely fuck. I was a bit tired. I can't remember exactly what he said. But he definitely <laughs> said fuck. I'm not lying. I choose to believe it was true. Speaking of radio, what do you think about Hamilton's behaviour on radio? I can sort of understand him being a bit annoyed because they, Mercedes appear to have massively underestimated how quickly the tyres would degrade and they put him on a strategy that was never going to work. And uh, he stayed out too long, ruined his tyres, lost about an entire pit stop to Bottas and was understandably a bit cheesed off about it. Well, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Hamilton having radio is making people hate him. Do you think he should have sort of like a, a soundboard with just a few set phrases that and he can only use those? I think they should hire... Do you remember uh, during the troubles of Northern Ireland, Jerry Adams, uh, <laughs> yeah. there was some weird law where he was on the telly, but he had to, his, his voice had to be voiced by an actor, so that there'd be an yes. actor on the news miming along. To, now I say that, that sounds like I just made it up, doesn't it? It's so fucking bizarre. No, it does, but no, I remember it. Yeah, so it was I, a very silly law. I think they should have that, in a way, and just have, like, a Lewis Hamilton impersonator who kind of translates and maybe tones down his whining a little bit, and we'd be none the wiser. I think it should sound absolutely nothing like Lewis Hamilton. I think, no, we should get Jerry Adams to do it. (laughs) But Hamilton did get the fastest lap, which was the 
the final thing that uh, that won the, the team's championship. So if he hadn't got that, it would have gone to the next race. Very true. And how important was their tactical pitting? I don't know how tactical it was. It was more the fact that they slightly fucked it up for Hamilton. If they if they put Hamilton on a two-stop like Bottas, they would have won by a mile. Ferrari. Vettel was in pole position for three hours until a crap start meant that Bottas overtook him and this was the end of his dreams of winning at Suzuka. The clerk collided with Verstappen and for once it wasn't Max V's fault. He got two post-race penalties and damaged his car. Despite saying, all fine here, what happened? Well, first we should mention that a typhoon meant the qualifying was on Sunday morning. Oh yeah, we haven't even done this yet. Which means that it was on at 2am UK time, which means nobody watched it. Did you watch it? I was going to say, did you get up to see it? No. Did you, Phil? No, did I bollocks? Two o'clock, no. I mean, Especially so when you I have hope, to get up at six to watch the race. So I hope you're listening to this podcast for all of the info. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Miss Apex watched it. Um, <laughs> so that's weird, but actually I think quite fun to have qualifying a few hours for the race because it adds to the jeopardy because if, like, if you fuck up like Kubica did... And Magnussen did as well. As a whole car rebuild happening in a matter of hours has a yeah. bit of tension. Mm. But, no, it's, um, I mean, fair play to the Williams uh, mechanics. For, for a second there, it looked like they might not have got, got a very good result. But, um, More on that yeah. later, Phil. Yeah. So um, the, It so, was a weird one for Ferrari, wasn't it? Because in qualifying, they were, they were super dominant, like really dominant. Well, obviously, they're just morning people. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And Vettel was particularly dominant as well. I mean, he was way ahead of Leclerc. And Leclerc said afterwards he thought that he'd done a pretty good lap and Vettel was three tenths ahead of him. But then the start happened, and Vettel, yes. you know, for a man who makes a mistake approximately every three races, he's really keeping up his average. Of, and to be fair, this one was tiny as a mistake goes, but also crucial. Also massive. Yeah, actually quite big yeah. in hindsight. I mean, as tiny mistakes go, starting before the lights go out is a pretty big one. Although, apparently, it was absolutely fine. Well, that's the weird thing, because he started and stopped and started again, and it's almost like he'd have probably been better off just going. Going. Yeah, getting, getting a penalty, but he'd have been like ten seconds in the lead. Yeah. What he should do is start then, before the red lights come on. He'll have half a lap <laughs> of them all. Gets a five-second penalty. Still wins. Yeah. Before the guy at the back waving the flag has even gone, just, just go. Start during qualifying. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just come straight through at full speed at the end of the warm-up lap. Yeah, um, it was. I don't understand still how he didn't get a penalty for that. Because, as far as I can tell, it's almost exactly the same as, was it Raikkonen a few races ago? No, no, Raikkonen left his box. The difference is, and I'm saying this like I know because I've done some research, but I listened to the Autosport podcast where they went into this in depth. Terry, you do not confess this, okay? No, because I'm... Just pretend you come up with it. Okay, everyone listening, strike from the record, I'm about to badly remember something I heard on a podcast. So... Because when you get to put a car in gear or start a car, there's a lot of movement that happens. So there's a tolerance of quite a large amount, like 10, maybe 30 seconds, forgotten the number. And so a car can move that much. So when he rolled forward a little bit, he rolled forward within that tolerance. So he didn't actually set off any sensor. And right. Well, in that case, that tolerance is far too great because there's, you know, a car wobbling about a bit when you rev it or put it in gear. And then there's moving forward quite a few centimetres, which is what that would be. So, yeah, but then he I mean, it's sort again. of... Did he? Well, he went, I mean, he went backwards in terms of everybody went past him, but... 
know, I, was I, I thought that was very, very suspicious. But we should talk about Charlie Clerk and his flapping wing. Yeah, it was a bit Verstappish, wasn't it? Yeah. I tell you, he went flying in every race. So it worked. Every race that's happened in the last few months has made Leclerc more of a dick in my eyes, and this has not changed my opinion. And you two need to come off your high horse and get on the Verstappen train like I am. What a guy. Oh, shut up. Who am I to argue with Leclerc's dick in your eyes? If we take out his collision with Verstappen, what did you think about his drive? No, we need to talk about well, his petulance because he I think was told he was told to pit because he had a damaged car and he didn't do it. And then those bits of car and yeah. his rear yeah, yeah. mirror went all over Hamilton. And you know that Hamilton oh, yeah. doesn't like to have bits thrown all over him. To be fair, he was driving along with a car falling apart, saying, I, uh, I can't see anything wrong with my car. There's a clip where he's got his hand out the car, holding the mirror in place, going, it's fine, it's fine. It's like that meme of a dog in a room on fire. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we can completely ignore the fact that his first corner incident still, for, for all the great performances that the clerk has done in his short F1 career so far, that smacks of inexperience to come in too hot on the first corner and understeer into somebody else. And frankly, I felt he should have he should have had maybe more of a penalty than that, and before the end of the race. But um, regardless, but then as you say afterwards, like it, it smacks of a lack of trust in the team that the team said, right, come on, Pitt, and he was like, oh, no, I don't know, well. And that could have been really nasty when the bit flew off his car and hit. If that had hit Hamilton in the face, that would have been seriously nasty. Would he have got penalties for that? Oh, he did get penalties for that. I think. I think they. I think they gave him two penalties, didn't they? One for, um, one for smacking to Verstappen, and the other one for lies. Was it, I can't remember exactly what it was. Was it driving round with an unsafe car or, or having a silly name? Like that? Red Bull. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. Red Bull. So Verstappen retired, as we said, after his run-in with FF1S's all, new all-round. I say all-round. Phil and I's crush Leclerc. Albon had his highest finish yet, fourth after a great drive. Do you think he's smug? Well, Who? Albon. As a person. What, Alex Albon? In general, do you yeah. think he is a smug person? No. Yes, yes. Oh, I interesting. Think he's, he's a Formula One driver, of course he is. But. Oh, well, yes. I would also say that, I mean, if you compare just, just in terms of luck, Gasly's driving Red Bull and Albon's. In most of the races Albon's competed in, Verstappen's been turfed out. And in most of the races Gasly was in, Verstappen was like on the podium. So, regardless of how good either driver is, it's certainly looking easier for Albon to look good. Or Albon's got somebody, you know, he's paying someone to. Charles Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> I think Albon's been doing pretty well. This is only his, what, fourth, fifth race in that car? And it's clearly a difficult to car, a difficult car to drive for everybody that isn't Max Verstappen. Yeah, I uh, can because do Gasly back at Toro Rosso seems to be doing all right. So um, Albon and Verstappen in qualifying had exactly the same time, and Verstappen just got ahead because he said it earlier. So Albon is not far off, and he's just got to, I think, dial it in a little bit, and he should be pretty close. I don't think he's as good as Verstappen, but I don't. I think he's better than Gasly. Um, so I would be surprised if he doesn't keep his seat for next year. And I think he should be pretty happy with fourth, to be honest. Renault! Uh, we talked about their bias breaks. Uh, what happened to Ricardo in qualifying? I don't know, I was, I was asleep. <laughs> 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 I 
from reading the reports afterwards, they, well, both drivers pretty much ballsed up uh, qualifying. Ricardo messed up his lap Q1. And Hogeburn overslept. <laughs> yes, that's right. And apparently so did his hydraulics uh, in, in Q2 and he couldn't get a decent lap in. So they were pretty crap and started from, the, uh, from near the back. McLaren! Uh, Sainz did all the right things. His driving was great, and he hassled Hamilton, and he held Leclerc off at the end. Are you impressed? Yes. Sainz has been doing really bloody well. Mm. He's just been great. What a guy. He has. Yeah. I don't know what that's going to mean for him in the long term, because can you see him getting into a better team than McLaren? Can you? In theory, I can, but I don't see a gap for him where he could go. So I think he's got to hope that just McLaren keeps getting better. Well, we all hope that, Phil. Do we? I do. Norris finished in 13th, but he could have done better if he hadn't been fanning around with debris in his brakes because he did start in 8th. Oh, he's got to learn to take the debris out of his brakes. Always take Who's your debris, debris out. His debris. I reckon it was from Leclerc. I mean, yeah, Leclerc just seemed to be going around just liberally spreading debris around the track for the first few laps. But it's all fine. All fine here. Racing point. So the flag cock-up worked out very well for Perez because his crash on the last lap suddenly became a post-race slip-up. What happened with him and Gasly? Uh, it looked to me almost a carbon copy of the crash between Leclerc and, uh, and Verstappen. Yes, I concur. But Perez was frankly lucky to... Uh, to A, to hang on to that uh, position because of the, the flag conquer, but also he had a lousy qualifying. He didn't make it out of Q1 um, and Stroll did, but then Stroll tried to do a one-stop strategy, uh, which didn't work, and Perez did better out of it. So it's spawny, spawny Perez, basically. If you were going to go on a date with Stroll, where would you go and what would you do? I would go somewhere else, uh, but get him to pay for some stuff first. I would like him to take me 10-pin bowling, you know, nowhere fancy, just like the local multiplex. And then we go for a walk down by the river and, you know, it would just be nice to have someone to just to chat to. <laughs> and then I'd make him buy me a house. <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say walk down by the river and then you'd push him in. No, I wouldn't push him in. I'd get to buy me a house and then he can go to second base on me. <laughs> <laughs> So Gasly finished in the points and ahead of Kvyat despite some rear suspension issues in the race and Kvyat struggled to set the car up and had a disappointing qualifying and then lost loads of places at the start to move from 14th on the grid to 12th but no points and it was not one of his better days. I wouldn't have expected it but Gasly's really showing Kvyat up because remember when Kvyat got dumped back to Toro Rosso he spent half a season being woefully shit. And Gasly, to be fair, has gone back to Toro Rosso and fit straight back in. I think it just shows the difference in, in the in the cars and, and how they have to be set up for the drivers to, to be no. happy with them. Because Gasly in the Toro Rosso has been really good. And clearly in the Red Bull, he just couldn't get his head around it at all. Will Gasly be there next season? When it's Alpha Centuri, Alpha Romeo, what are they called next year? Alpha, Alpha, Alpha Papa. Papa. Did we both make the same terrible Alan Parsley <laughs> joke at the same time? I'm Fuck I'm this, we're done. That. Bye. <laughs> okay, Alfa Romeo. No points for the second race in a row for Alfa Romeo. Is this Ryan and Gio's last season? 
I think Raikkonen will have another year or two because he's popular and he's right. so old. Or three or four or but five. He's, or he's got old and he's. I don't know. The first half of the year, he was always in the points and being impressive and exactly what Alfa Romeo need. And then the second half of the year, he's been a bit shit and lost me money. How much money have you got? <laughs> he has, actually, because Giovinazzi has out-qualified him for three races in a row. Yeah, and didn't and if I... you'd have said that at the start of the year, you'd be like, no, I'll never. It was only qualifying for him. Yeah, but didn't I actually bet that he would finish every race? Bet Dogs on... trust money. Dogs trust. I yeah, actually, yeah. I genuinely, I ran past, past, obviously, dogs trust, quite a few dogs trust people. Um, I thought of you. Yeah, yeah. I am now. I, I have to find three dogs off the street to clear my debt. <laughs> Is the Dogs Trust actually a real charity? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. I wouldn't make up a charity. <laughs> Jesus, Phil. That's just I've got fact. a lot. I've got a lot of issues, and you know, we I'm should not do a tie-up The best person in the world, but I have not made up a charity. <laughs> <laughs> and if I had to make up a charity, it wouldn't be Dogs Trust. They would like dogs. What would it be? What would it be? Um, cats Trust. <laughs> Nobody dogs. trusts cats. Dogs see. mistrust. Suspicious dogs. We can't go <laughs> on together with suspicious dogs. Suspicious <laughs> hey. dogs. slipped up when he crashed in qualifying and started in 19th on the grid. And Grosjean started in 10th but had a bad start and finished in 15th. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They were shit. Yep. Uh, they were pretty disappointing. Uh, Magnussen had a, a terrible qualifying. Grosjean didn't have a terrible qualifying, but had a terrible start. And never really got any better. So, yet another one to forget. Maybe it, all that time it was the rich energy that gave them any kind of speed at all. <gasps> Good point. It's astonishing how... Because remember, like, ten years ago, there were three new teams and they were all shit. And then Haas came in with this brand new kind of, we're stealing bits off Ferrari, we're going to be good. And they were good. And then three years in, they're shit. What does that say? <laughs> what does that say? Answers on a postcard to wrong at mf1s.com. Williams! Williams' cars are nice to look at and I'm sure they have great personalities. Are you saying they're fat? Wow. I'm saying I fucking run out of nice things to say about them, right? Wow. Kubica started in the pit lane after crashing and qualifying, and Russell had brake issues. Well, I'm not um, surprised he's got issues <laughs> after you talking about him like that. <laughs> Jesus. He's body confident, right? The uh, the once love affair between Kubica and Williams appears to have collapsed into uh, antagonism. Did you hear the stuff he said after uh, after the race? What did he say? Basically, he wasn't allowed, Kubitz wasn't allowed to use the new upgraded front wing that they'd been trying in practice. Uh, he'd really liked it, but they said, no, we're not going to run it in the race. Um, and he was really annoyed because he'd been faster than Russell in FP2 using this new wing. Uh, and basically, he started slagging off Williams and saying he's not sure why all these decisions have been made. I mean, he's already said he's going to leave the team at the end of the season. So I guess there's no love lost now. And he's basically just laying into them at every opportunity. Yeah, but they said it was going to be an experimental wing. Uh, you know, he's a racing driver. He wants the best, etc., etc. But, you know, he'd have sort of best finished 19th with that wing. It does seem a bit weird, though, that if you put on a wing and your driver likes it and drives faster with it, and then you say, no, we're not going to use it. That seems odd to me. Maybe they're going to try and sell it on eBay after. Didn't want it to be scuffed I mean, up. could well be. I'd get one to put it on my wall. Yeah, that's fair enough. All of 
which brings us to the standings with Terry Saunders. OK, in the lead of the championship, yes, he can taste it. It's Lewis Hamilton. And mathematically in second place, he has a chance of a personality. It's Valtteri Bottas. He will squeam and squeam till he's sick and crown world champion. That's Charlotte Clerk, who will just uh, try and get the championship on a tax rebate. He's gone to report on Ola Klerk is him. Fourth place is Max Verstappen looking very confused. That's never happened before, darling, said Sebastian Vettel after the start. <laughs> the only driver to leave Red Bull and do well is in sixth. That's Carlos Sainz. See above and reverse. It's Pierre Gasly in seventh. One day he will leave Red Bull. That's Alexander Albon in eighth. Don't mention Red Bull. That's Daniel Ricciardo in ninth. Nico Holgerberg. He won Le Mans once. Great. And in 11th place, you lucky bastard, it's Sergio Perez. And he's fading like a viral hit. It's 12th place, it's Lando Norris. And not even the best Red Bull reject, Daniel Kvyat is the 13th. Old age is finally catching up with him. Where are his reading glasses? It's Kimi Raikkonen. And his new tattoo translates as struggling race. It's Kevin Magnussen. Magnussen. It's Kevin Magnussen. Lance Stroll didn't even show up because he's too rich. Uh, 17th, Roman Grosjean. He actually wants to quit, but Steiner's making him do another year as a punishment for being so shit. <laughs> Nothing to say is Antonio Giovinazzi. On a wing and a prayer is Robert Kubica. It's about the wing thing, and he's quite religious. And Japan is famous for having wacky game shows. So I thought, if a team was a game show, which game show would they be? So, sale of the century, that's Mercedes. They bought Braun at a knockdown price and uh, done quite well out of it. Uh, the generation game, that's Ferrari with uh, Vettel and Leclerc going at each other with the cuddly toys. The Apprentice, that's Red Bull, you're fired. Call my bluff is McLaren Renault. I'm sorry I haven't a clue, that's Renault. <laughs> Family Fortunes is Toro Rosso because they're a sister team. Strike it lucky is Racing Point. The race ended after a crash, well done. The price is right, it's Alfa Romeo. Give us a clue, it's hard. They haven't got a clue why. And blind date is Williams. <laughs> and now it's time for the fact off. The rules are simple. You each tell me three facts and I will decide which facts are best and then the winner wins terry you've won quite a few times in the past but phil you won last time well done would you like to go Thanks. first this time please my fact the japanese national anthem is the shortest in the world Ooh, i'll go for a related fact that's good that's good <laughs> the world's shortest escalator is in mall's department store in kawasaki it's 33 inches tall and has only five steps. What an absolute waste of space and energy. Wow, that's the anthem, but what about the escalators, you <laughs> <laughs> The anthem's the better fact. Yay! Fine. Okay, number two, Terry. There is a game show in Japan where one item in a room is replaced with a lookalike item made of chocolate and contestants have to try and find it by biting into various <laughs> objects. <laughs> All right, read that, Phil. The mascot for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics is a blue and white superhero called Miratoa who has the power to teleport. It's rubbish. Right. Well done, ah, Terry. All right, you. just one all, one all. Finally, Phil. In 1976, Japanese driver Masami Kubishima was due to make his F1 debut for Rolf Williams in front of his home crowd, but he had to withdraw after first practice. 
This was because he was so slow in first practice that his sponsors refused to pay for his ride and he was replaced by another driver and never drove an F1 again. That's good. Okay, Chica, I don't want to influence the judge, but you have a choice. Soft drinks or penises? Penises, every okay. time. Each spring... <laughs> I was actually expecting the soft drinks. Each spring, <laughs> there is the Shinto celebration, Kanamara Matsuri, which is the festival of the steel phallus. It celebrates the legend of a metal penis that was constructed to thwart a demon that had hidden in a young woman's vagina, ruining her wedding night. The shrine was popular site for prostitutes who prayed for protection from sexually transmitted infections. Today, the festival is used to raise money for HIV research. That is beautiful. Yeah. That's tricky. It's uh, F1 versus STIs, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with you, Phil. And I never uh, thought, hey. I, would, I never thought I'd, uh, I'd choose uh, F1 beats penises F1 anytime. over... Uh, just for the record, STI, just for the record, can I just tell you my, my reserve fact, yeah. the soft drink fact, was Japan has more than 70 flavours of Fanta. Oh. Yeah, that's good. I, including I, I, that is also good Genius Energy, Snow Squash and Hip Hop. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so for the second time in a row, Phil has one fact off. Yeah. Um, which means that Phil is slowly catching up on you, Terry. I'm excited. Very so slow. next for the Mexican fact off, you better up your game. Let's have the state of F1 with you, Terry Saunders. Thanks, Chica Ayers. In hindsight, everything is obvious. Bad fashion choices, Rolf Harris, the 2019 Japanese Grand Prix being one lap less than we thought it was. The fact that there's a rule that says if the checkered flag comes out, the race is over no matter what is hilarious and frankly sounds like the kind of rule that I'd propose in a state of F1. <laughs> but it's real. And although we don't know yet why the flag was offered up early, this time we do know that if it's happened twice, it can happen again. Imagine if Hamilton had got past Vettel on the last lap of the race. Think of the uproar if Seb had got the equivalent of a bank error in your favour, collect 18 points from each player. But don't worry, I have a solution. I'm not fixing this one, I love it. Instead, <laughs> I say, lean in harder. Why are fans not turning up to races with chequered flags? There's a queue at the bar, you're going to miss the start and the race. You're having a row with your dad over where best to stand and the race. Let's do more. If the race can be ended, maybe we can get it started with a glitch. As the drivers slumber on a Saturday morning, awaiting their trainers and nutritionists to come and wake them up, the red lights in the starting gantry flick on one by one as if possessed. The race is starting. Whoever can get to the car first has a great advantage. And if races can start early, bring out the flag a bit late or never at all. They've got to keep going round and round for days and we just like tune in like Big Brother. That would make even the French Grand Prix exciting. Brilliant. 2021 sorted. So if you enjoyed Terry's State of F1, please consider taking out a voluntary subscription at ff1s.com forward slash pint, pint, pint. That is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about Naoki Yamamoto, who replaced Pierre Gasly for free practice one for Toro Rosso and did really well. He was only 0.1 seconds off, uh, off Kvyat. He's the current Super GT and Super Formula champion and we'll probably never see him in an F1 car again. And to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about Ron Dennis, who was in the news this week for... Um, 
a deal he made. We'll be back in two weeks' time to discuss the Mexican Grand Prix. But in the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake. Follow us on Twitter, at for F1's sake. And you can buy stuff. Can you actually buy stuff, Terry? Um, yes. There are a few things on there that don't have the old logo on. We haven't yet signed off on a new logo. If I'm you, waiting for the three of you to sign off on the thing I emailed you. What? You Hang on. You haven't. You didn't get the email? So oh, if, my God. Is this how I work story. as a freelance? <laughs> oh, I definitely sent it. Oh, oh, the attachment was too big. Sorry, I have done it. What? If you missed the story, very quickly, our old logo was vetoed. By the FIA have got in touch and said we can't use their old logo because... Well, the official reason they gave was that we made it better. But you can still buy stuff at the shop, which you can find online at... www.fia.com forward slash trade dispute. (laughs) 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 Thanks for listening. See you in a fortnight. I'm G. Grez. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.